Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. So, so blessed. Amen. So blessed to have such wonderful, wonderful music. And Miss Ginger plays it so beautifully, indeed. Well, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of 1 John, the first epistle of John, as we continue studying in the epistle of John. And we're going to be looking at the second chapter today. And uh, just to get you prepared, we'll probably turn over also into the Gospel of John, not to try to trick you or anything, <laughs> but, uh, but the, uh, the Gospel of John also uh, provides such a uh, helpful insight and a commentary. You know, the Bible is the best commentary on itself various books in the Bible, both uh, uh, the Old Testament on the New and the New Old, and the New Testament on the Old, and, uh, and of course the Old upon the Old and the New upon the New. And we're going to see here in this uh, second chapter that the Apostle John speaks of God the Trinity and the the illuminating ministry, I'll, I'll refer to it, the illuminating, the teaching ministry of God the Holy Spirit in the life of believers. And we've mentioned before that God the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired the men of old to write the scriptures. It's God the Holy Spirit who inspired the, the prophets who inspired Moses, who inspired the disciples, the apostles, to write the word of God. And remember that God is the author. God is the author. It is God's holy word. And he used these men in a very special way to bless, to bless the entire human race, to give us his holy word. And so, beginning in the first epistle of John and the second chapter, let me just turn my notes here, beginning at uh, verse 15, let's begin uh, reading. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. 
And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Let's pray. Lord, as we study your holy word, we pray that you be our teacher, just as you inspired the Apostle John to write these words, teaching us that you are our teacher. And we pray that as your children, we will be responsible, mature students, disciples, learners of your word and of your will. <clears throat> Speak to us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, to his honor and glory. Amen. And so, the title of today's message comes directly from the passage, Do Not Love the World. Now, when you look out there, that's a beautiful sight, isn't it? Indeed it is. We are really fortunate to have all these windows. We can look out at God's beautiful creation. You can become confused when you read this passage that says, do not love the world. <laughs> so what is actually being said here? The, the Greek word is, for world that's used here is, is cosmos. But it's used with the understanding 
of all that rejects God. You see, not the created order that God has given to us. All we have to do is go over to the book of Genesis and you read there that every time God created a certain aspect of, of the creation, he said, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. And then with, the, with the Adam and Eve, he said, very good. <laughs> so we need to understand what is being said here. The world in this context refers to anything and everything that promotes a rejection of God's truth, of God's word, his son, his person, his will, and his desire. And that word will and desire, they're really synonymous terms. But right off the bat, the Apostle John, under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit, he, he identifies the world and worldly priorities. And you can reduce the world's priorities down to these, these three things. First of all, the lust of the flesh. And that word lust, lust. Some synonymous terms are desire. Another term is the word craving or craving. The, the craving of the flesh. But it's used here with respect to illicit, sinful desires. Now stop and consider just here in the United States, but not just in the United States. So over in the Middle East, and over in Africa, sadly, what happens when one community, one group, chooses to invade another community or another tribe or another group? They kill off the men and then rape all the women and force them into slavery. Oh, you don't hear much about that on TV because, you know, the United States is such a terrible place. But that goes on today in this current age in which we live. Oh, but right here in America, what do we have? Sadly, Cheryl was telling me about something that she had read about an elementary school teacher, and this was just the other day, an elementary school teacher somewhere in the east, I think, took her elementary class. Now we're talking about a, a young group of kids, right? On a field trip. And what, or what was the destination of this field trip? A gay bar. Stop for a moment and think that one through so that the kids could be exposed, you know, to, the, to this other acceptable now, lifestyle. The lust of the flesh. And then there was a, she told me another one about a, a professor in one of our, you know, esteemed colleges, Rutgers of all places. You know, if you got a degree, you earned a degree from Rutgers, well, you, you know, you, you really had something, huh? 
Well, this professor in this particular class, she said, well, I have tenure. And as a professor, I, I have certain liberties, so I can say whatever I want, and I can talk however I want. So she commenced to using all kinds of foul language. And then went on a tirade of why white people are racist. That is what is going on in America and in American schools. And sadly, that wickedness is supported by certain groups all across America. The lust of the eyes, the desire and the cravings, it's what leads to greed and covetousness. And that's one of those commandments, thou shalt not covet. You see something, you just you just gotta have it. Right? The commercials are all designed to attract your attention, are they not? To attract your attention. Because you know the companies really don't care about you. They care about their shareholders <laughs> and making a profit for their shareholders. For the last couple of weeks, I've mentioned, you know, this, this tremendous push with all of the vaccinations and the wearing of masks, et cetera, et cetera. Now, those who own the companies over the last few years have made billions. And they continue to push it. Now, I'm not anti-vax, no, I, you know, when I was in the military, it was required. You had, to, you had to take all those shots, and they would shoot them into you with this little air gun. Right? Well, you'd stand there, and, and they'd tell you, don't move. Because if you move, that thing would cut you. you know. And some of those guys, you know, we'd be at, out there on the uh, flight line, <laughs> and there'd be a 1,000 men standing out there waiting to go in that one door to get their shot. And every now and then, you know, guys would fall and faint because some of the guys coming out on the other side would talk about where they were placing that shot. <laughs> and so those guys who, you know, who, uh, I don't know anyone who, who, who likes getting a shot, okay? But if you, if you really do have an aversion, oh, they break out in a sweat and they faint. But enough about shots. The lust of the eyes. There is a there is a, a story in the Old Testament about a man named Elisha. And Elisha was this tremendous prophet. And there's this other man, Naaman. He was a Syrian general. Boy, he had all these accolades. But he was a leper. But he was a leper. Well, he heard about Elisha and, and uh, that God had given him the ability to heal. And so he went to, to Elisha. And Elisha tells his servant, well, you go out there and tell him to go wash in the Jordan River, dip himself. 
So he goes out, and, and, and Naaman got real upset because Elisha didn't come out. He, he said, well, I thought he would come out, you know, because I'm this great general. I, I thought he would, he would come out, and he would, he would say a few words and go through some, some fantastic ceremony, et cetera, et cetera. So he was miffed about it. And so he left, and on and on, this little maiden said, now, if, if he had told you to, to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? So he thought about it for a while. So he went and did as Elisha said. And, and sure enough, he was healed of his leprosy. He went and dipped in the, in, the, in the muddy river. So he came back to Elisha's home and he, he wanted to reward him. He, he, was, he was grateful. He wanted to reward him. And Elisha said, basically, no, I, I, don't, I don't need any of his stuff. I don't need to be rewarded. You know, the Lord's heal you, you just go on your way. Oh. But Elisha's servant, Gehazi, the lust of the eye, yeah? greed, covetousness, he got to thinking, well, maybe I could cash in on, on this deal. And so as the, as the general and his, and his troop of men, as they were making their way, Gehazi slips out of the house. And he runs after the general. And he catches up and he, and he says, hold on there, hold on there. Yes, yes, Elisha, my, my master. Basically, he's changed his mind. And I've come. Well, what happens to Gehazi? So Naaman gives him, he rewards him with some clothing and those kinds of things. When he comes back, unbeknown to Gehazi, Elisha knew what was going on. So what happens to Gehazi for his sin, for his, his covetousness, this lusting both of the flesh and of the eyes? What happens to him? He now is struck with leprosy. The very thing that Naaman had been healed of, he now, because of his greed and his covetousness, is struck with leprosy. And what do we have all across our nation with this lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and around the world Tremendous fear. Fear of what? Fear of illness. Fear of this, this coronavirus and its variants. As we mentioned before, oh, if people feared God as much as they feared COVID, they'd come to know the Lord as their Savior and they would have confidence for living. Because for the Christian, we need not fear death. And why not? Not that we have a death wish, oh, no. But we don't fear death. Why? Because we don't die. Yes, this body ceases to function, but we go on to live in the presence of God. Amen? The pride of life. Hmm. Boastfulness. Boasting of accomplishments. There's another example, the rich, rich fool. 
in the scripture that Jesus spoke of. You remember that guy? He said, oh, my barns are full and I've, I've, I've got so much wealth, I need to build bigger barns to put my stuff in. You know, the double car garage isn't enough, I need a triple. No, make it a quadruple. And if that isn't enough, we'll, we'll, we'll add on. Yeah. <laughs> the pride of life. Oh, you know, somebody does some wonderful thing. Well, let's build a statue. Let's build an idol. That's what those are. In case you didn't know, those statues are idols. That's what they are. They're idols. The pride of life. Oh, we've accomplished this. We've done this. The world. Leaving God out. What does that say about running the government? This, this attitude of the world excluding God, leaving God out. Don't bring God into our discussions. Sadly, our government and our nation has moved so far away from it. I think I've mentioned to you long ago when the country was founded and, and uh, those who were, who were senators and, and representatives and other political leaders Every meeting was begun with a word of prayer and a reading from the scripture. And when, when the, the writers, or those, the signers, I should say, of the, of the Constitution couldn't agree and they were, they were all fussing with each other, I believe it was Benjamin Franklin who said, brethren, let's, let's, let's take a break. Let's go down to the church and let's pray and ask for the divine providence to lead us as we make this historic and monumental decision. But today, what do you have? I won't mention his name, but one of those serving in, in the Congress, he, someone mentioned about God. He said, well, we, we don't need God included in this. Hmm? What's happened? Well, moving on. Our next point, the world is passing away. And the Bible says that the world will wax worse and worse, and conditions upon the earth are going to wax worse and worse. And, and man, the human race, will do everything it can to change them. But the human race is powerless to do so. Because God has set everything upon a course, and it will follow that course. There was a country song, I think it was Waylon Jennings who, who sang it. And he said... Um, you can give up smoking, but you're still going to die. <laughs> you can jog. I believe he said you can jog all the way to heaven. You're still going to die. 
you can give up this and you can give up that and you can give up this and you can give up that, you're still going to die. <laughs> A lot of truth in that. Isn't it? You follow? But if you do not give your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what? You're already dead. If you know Christ, you're alive. You have both physical life and eternal life. But if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're physically alive, but you are spiritually dead. The Bible says you are separated from God. Your sin has separated you from God. And unless you accept Christ as your Savior, in this life you will be separated from God forever. The world is passing away. Notice what he says. The Antichrist is coming. And we don't have time to get into to the coming Antichrist. But you can read of him in the book of Revelation, chapter 13. He's described as a, a world ruler. Guess what? Things are going to get so bad. There's this, this movement, and you see it happening right in front of our eyes to a world government. Yes, all of these things. They're, they're all meeting over there now. I mentioned this morning in uh, Sunday school, because climate change, right? this world that's passing away, climate change is the biggest threat to humanity. No, it isn't. It is not. And what is so surprising to me are the number of Christians who buy into that nonsense, because that is what it is. It is a bunch of nonsense. Yes, the climate is changing. It's been changing since, since God created it. Change is a part of life. And everything is moving on course just as God designed. And man, humanity, is powerless to change it. However, we can change. We can change the final destination by making the decision to accept Christ, amen? The Antichrist is coming. It says many Antichrists have come. In other words, they come embracing and teaching the false doctrine of the Antichrist because this world ruler will enter into this, this, this peace pact with Israel, but then he will deceive them and betray them, and then want to be worshipped as God. There are many idols in the world. Notice what he goes on to say, the last hour. The last hour. If it was the last hour 2,000 years ago, oh my, maybe we're in the last few minutes. Stop and really consider 2,000 years have passed. We are so close. Now he goes on and he says that these false teachers, because that's what these, these antichrists are, these false teachers came out from among us. Now there is some debate on, on who the us is that John is referring to. Is he referring to people who, who were part of the church or, or 
those who were a part of the Judaizers and had gone out and spreading you know, false messages could include those groups and include anyone, as he goes on and he says, anyone who denies that Jesus is the Christ is Antichrist. You follow? That goes for those people who talk on TV. You, you, you know, all these people on these different talk shows, and they all have opinions, right? And I think I mentioned this once before. Opinions, they're like armpits. Everybody has at least two. And they have to be pampered or else they stink, don't they? That's just putting it mildly. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a position. But the only position that really counts is God's. God's position, God's truth, God's standard. They were not of us, sadly. They were non-believers, deceivers. And I shared with the deacons once that part of a pastor's job is like the shepherd who has to protect the sheep. And that shepherd has to be both gentle as well as bold. You have to be willing to speak up when something is not right. Now, you can, you can do that gently, respectfully, but sometimes it has to be done harshly. You'll recall that when Moses was leading the children of Israel, there came a point where, where his sister Miriam and even his brother Aaron, they got tired of Moses and his leadership. And they, they began to, to speak to him disrespectfully. And they said, well, you know, you're not the only one who can lead. And as the story goes, the Lord, the Lord struck Miriam with leprosy for disrespecting Moses. And she had to be put out of the camp. And Aaron, Aaron begged his brother Moses to pray for, for Miriam, that she would be healed. And the Bible says that, that Moses cried out to the Lord on behalf of his sister. And do you know what the Lord's response was? He said, if her father had spit in her face, she would be unclean for at least a week. You put her out of the camp for at least a week. In other words, what she did was very serious. Let her learn her lesson. She should have feared knowing who you are and whose servant you are. You follow? There are times when we must be very, very, very firm. Not to be mean, but to ensure that we are honoring the Lord and doing things according to God's will and his standard. They were not of us. They were unbelievers, deceivers. The doctrine of the apostles. 
God the Holy Spirit charged them with the responsibility of writing his holy word and conveying it to us. Now he goes on. You have an anointing from the Holy One. The Holy One, God the Holy Spirit. He is the one who teaches. Now he, he goes on and he says, you know the truth. In verse 27 here in this, in this passage. He is the one who, who teaches. That is, that is the ministry of God the Holy Spirit. Or I should say one aspect of, of his very ministry to us. Now notice the question. Who are the deceivers? Who are the liars? Those, anyone, everyone who denies Christ that has come in the flesh. And remember that Jesus' birth was a miraculous birth, a divine birth, and we're going to be celebrating the truth of his birth here in, in a few months. A few weeks, actually. But there are those even in so-called Christian churches now who say, well, I don't know if I can accept the, you know, this idea of the virgin birth. I think if I were in a church, in a worship service, and I heard a pastor say something like that, I might have to stand up right then and there. Now Jesus, when he was speaking to the disciples and he, and he was telling them about what he was going to experience in the future as they made their way to Jerusalem, you remember what Peter did? He took Jesus aside and began to scold him. And what did Jesus do? How did he respond to Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. Those are some strong words. Get thee behind me, Satan, for you savor not the things of God. It's the idea of rejecting God and rejecting his word, rejecting his truth, ridiculing his truth. That, what, that is what these educated professors do in the colleges these days. They, they ridicule, they make fun of the word of God, and they make fun of people who believe in God and who trust in Christ as Savior. Yes, they ridicule. They, they make jokes about it. They are anti-Christ. Some of those hosts that you just love to watch so much on TV, oh, you think they're the, the best thing since sliced bread, and yet they are anti-Christ. Correct theology is so important. Anyone who rejects the Son rejects the Father. And anyone who rejects the Father rejects the Son. Because Jesus was sent by the Father. And Jesus reveals the Father. So let's look at the, the Gospel of John. John chapter 14. probably know it well, John 14, 6. Mm 
John 14, 6, Jesus speaking. He says of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is through the Lord Jesus. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Notice what he says there. You see, you can't have, you can't have the Father without Jesus. And you can't have Jesus without the Father. Nor can you have Jesus and the Father without God the Holy Spirit, the Holy One, referred to here in the epistle. The one who teaches, the one who illuminates. God has revealed himself in three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now why do we repeat this over and over and over again? Because correct theology is so important. There are people out there, they say, well, I don't know much about theology, you know, that's not very important. But I know Jesus. But what is theology? Theology is the study of God. Is that not important? It's vitally important. Because there are people out there, and there are groups out there, there are cults out there, false religions out there that teach that Jesus was just a man, a great teacher. Oh, he's a great teacher, a great example. Oh, but he's not God. And he's a, he's a son of God, yes, like, like the rest of us are, are sons and daughters. <coughs> but that's false. That is heresy. Jesus is God the Son, the Savior. Beside him there is no other. To have him is to have the Father and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit lives and dwells within every believer. God is with us wherever we go and never will he forsake us. Let's continue reading here in the Gospel of John. Chapter 15, verse 18. <clears throat> Notice what he says here. If the world hates you, and once again, is he talking about the trees hating you? Or the earth? No. Or the stars? No, that's not how he's using this term, the world. Again, it's that, that attitude, that, that mindset that position that, that rejects God and leaves God out of everything. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, 
but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember that right here in the, in the state of Nevada, I believe it's only one out of every 10 to 12 people knows the Lord as Savior. That is a startling statistic. Only one out of every 10 to 12 people. So that means when you go to the grocery store, you can look around and look at all the people in there. You can count 10, 11, 12, and only one of them, on average, is a Christian. You can pray for them. You can pray that, that God will move upon their lives and that they'll come to know the Lord as Savior. But when, you, when you're watching TV and all these other things, know this, that the majority of the people are not Christians. He goes on to say, Therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. You know what happens uh, if, if a Christian group, if a Christian group advertises that they're going to be somewhere, whether it's in a park or somewhere at a school or some, someplace, and they're going to have a prayer meeting? Do you know what, what's been happening? these Antifa groups show up. And as these Christians begin to pray, they begin to hurl insults and ridicule, and they begin to be violent with them. And then what does the media do? Blames it on the Christian group and calls them white supremacists. It's happening all, all over the country. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know him who sent me, the Father who sent the Son. If I had not come and spoken to them, now he's, he's speaking right here specifically of the Jewish religious leaders. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Notice that. They have no excuse for their sin. And in the first chapter in the book of Romans, the scripture teaches that man, humanity, is without excuse. Because God can be known by the very creation that he has placed us within. His glory, his Godhead, his wisdom, his power, his might, his sovereignty. His love and His grace. He who hates me hates my Father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my Father. But this has happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Speaking specifically of the Jewish leaders. And we, we discussed this morning the, the tragedy of placing tradition above God's holy word. Correct theology is important. And so let's, let's move on.
Notice, tremendous promise that we've been given. We mentioned last time that, that in, this, in this letter, the purpose of this letter, and there are several purposes here, but the, the basic purpose of the letter is to ensure that these Christians and the Christians who, who read this letter will be growing, devoted, mature Christians, understanding and knowing who they are and whose they are. Sin is a reality, but forgiveness is also a reality. Amen? You see, to only point out to only point out where we fall short is, is only half the message, right? <laughs> okay. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the Bible teaches. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he says the gospel message, the foundational truth, you've known this, you know this, don't deviate from them. Don't deviate from that. Today we live in an age where, where so many pastors are unwilling to preach the message of the cross. The death of Christ upon the cross where he died, where he shed his blood. Where before he went to the cross he was beaten and he was whipped. And he was slapped, up, uh, slapped upon and he was spit upon and beaten and stripped naked and then put up there on that cross, nailed to that cross. And he bled and he died. Because God takes sin seriously. It cost the life of his son, who was innocent and who died on our behalf. And there are people who ridicule that, who mock that. And they mock us for believing in him. But oh, the love of God. Not the nails, not the, not the spikes that kept him on the cross, but his love. His love for the Father and his love for humanity. The gospel message. We are not to deviate from the gospel message. We're not to preach messages that, you know, make people feel good, etc., and all that, and uh, so we can be popular and and, you know, everybody can say all these wonderful things about us. That's not our goal. That is not the goal. The goal is to exalt Jesus so that people say wonderful things about him. So that people discover him. So that people discover the love and the grace of God. And have their lives transformed. Abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. Abiding in Him. We have time to, to look at that. Not this one. We'll continue looking at this passage next week. But I want to encourage you as we, as we close. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. This week, Spend time alone with God. Ask him to put on your heart that person that you want or that he wants you to pray for, to speak to about his love, 
and to invite the church. Let's stand, please. And let's sing. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.